0: Right, we're going to um, just spend some time um, uh, looking at the Bible together. And just before that, I want to talk about this series that we've been uh, on. Probably nearly a year now, we've been looking through the vision of the church. And if we have that slide, Danny, up, just the the vision of the church, it's familiar, it's it's on most things in, in the life of our church, proclaiming Jesus Christ to people today, making disciples, building God's kingdom, praying for revival, planting new churches, reaching the nations. That's what we're about as a church. And that's why it's not about a person, except the person of Jesus, obviously. But it's about uh, uh, being a, a group of people committed to doing these things and being these things. And um, sometimes I am asked, you know, uh, why this sort of framework for the vision uh, statement as a church? Basically, it's just doing what Jesus did. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, building the kingdom. So it's nothing we've thought up, is it? It's, we're just doing what Jesus has asked us to do. And as the Father loved me, Jesus said, so I have loved you. And as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So I'm going to read from Mark's Gospel. And uh, we're, we're going to be moving into this uh, area of building God's kingdom. Um, we've spent quite a lot of time making this. We could just spend every week on discipleship, obviously. But uh, uh, we, we want to just move on a little bit. So Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. And uh, Mark's gospel is a brilliant gospel. You can just sit down and read it in one go, can't you? It is fantastic. And it's the match of the day of the gospels. It's just the highlights. Uh, there you go. I think it's exciting. Mark's gospel, chapter 1. In the beginning, of the, go- the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way? A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him into the desert and he was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Let's just pray together. Lord, as we look at this, your word together, we pray that you'll speak, that by your spirit we will be encouraged and challenged to continue to be all that you want us to be, individually but also as a church together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I came across this story just uh, um a week or so ago and it and I just sometimes I hear little stories and I write them down I think that might be useful one day that might be useful one day and uh, it was just a a very simple story about uh, a little boy and his dad and his dad said to the little boy "Uh, would you like to come and build a fort in the garden and uh, the little boy was so excited they were going to build a fort in the garden and uh, the little boy wasn't really old enough to, to make much headway with that he could just about swing a little hammer but he was really enthusiastic and all day they worked together and they had drinks breaks and a little bit of lunch and uh, the little boy got to work with his little hammer and he, he was hammering nails into a plank of wood all day like just bending nails, it was brilliant and, uh, but he was there helping and uh, just doing the things that his dad told him to do sometimes he was getting under his dad's feet sometimes he was slowing the work down but he was helping and of course, the dad was doing all of the work, really. But by evening, it was finished. Their fort was done. And the boy took enormous pride in what he had built. With a little help from his dad. And that, just that little story, and I can't remember where I heard it, but it, it just struck me. that Just that simple story about God and his kingdom and how he invites us to build his kingdom with him. He invites us to join in. And at times it seems to me that I'm just bashing nails into a bit of wood, you know, and I'm bending the nails and I'm getting in the way of what God's doing sometimes and slowing the work down probably. But all the time the Father is working all the time, his kingdom is coming. And he allows us that privilege of working with him because he loves us. Because he's called us into the family business. And he asks us every day to pray for it, doesn't he? The kingdom come every day. If you pray for daily bread, and pray that the kingdom comes every day. And the wonderful thing is the Lord is not offended when we imagine we've done a little bit of it. He allows us. God is on mission and his mission is our mission. And so as we think in the next few weeks about the kingdom of God, I just want to come back to this this start of Mark's gospel Where he says the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. And Mark begins his gospel with a a summary of the mission of Jesus. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. It is time. Now not all time ticked out by our clocks and watches are of equal value. Jesus came at the right time, the Bible says. And when Jesus says the time has come, it is filled with eternal significance. Why? Because with Jesus coming, the kingdom of God is near, is at hand, is within reach because of Jesus. Repent and believe the good news. It is significant because the king of the kingdom has come. Now, for Mark's gospel, there's no birth narrative. He doesn't talk about angels and shepherds and wise men. He's straight in there. Prepare the way for the Lord. He tells us that John came. But he only came to prepare the way for Jesus. John came baptizing, preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But he himself said, after me will come one more powerful who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then at that time, Jesus came and was baptized by John. Didn't have to be, but Jesus submitted and he was baptized by John. It was a moment for Jesus of decision, consecration, identification. It was that moment of approval from his father, And the equipping and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful when just at the beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus is baptized and there is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all there together. One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father's voice, the Son's obedience, the Holy Spirit's equipping as the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And we have echoes there Of the Genesis account of creation where the Spirit of God is hovering, brooding over the waters. The beginning of creation. And here the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus at the beginning of a new creation. The kingdom of God has come amongst us. And then the temptations. Again, Mark, no details. If you want to see details, read Matthew or Luke. But he goes straight on after John had been arrested. And it's interesting that Jesus waits till John is arrested. John is proclaiming, he's preaching, but once he has been silenced and put in prison, it's as if Jesus knows now is the time. And he comes proclaiming the good news. And in verses 14 and 15, we have this succinct summary of the message of Jesus. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Mark is telling the story of the most amazing thing that God has stepped on to planet Earth in flesh and blood. And nothing would ever be the same again. And the time to which all of the Old Testament had looked forward to had now come. The whole of history had looked forward to had now come. Now it's gospel time. The kingdom of God, God's reign on the earth is about to begin. The king had come, drawn near. And the reign of God would come not with a cataclysmic external triumph by a conquering king... In some ways, we'd have understood that if God had just said, right, enough's enough. I'm coming. I'm going to sort everything out. It's going to be done and dusted. But he doesn't. He comes in Christ. Servant king. He comes looking to the cross at Calvary. He comes calling all who would come into his kingdom. Who would accept his rule and his reign. His forgiveness and his sacrifice. Because his kingdom comes in the hearts and lives of men and women whom he saves. That sovereign saving rule. Jesus comes calling for allegiance. Because he is the king of the universe. Of course there is a day when Jesus is coming again. And when he comes again, he's not going to come in obscurity. He's not going to come to bear sin. He's going to bring it all to a conclusion. Put all things right. Put everything in its right place. And when he comes again, every eye will see. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who he is. But he will come to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. But as Mark begins his gospel, he describes how God comes in Christ to Galilee. As an itinerant preacher, prophet, his message was God's time had come. The kingdom was at hand. And God invades human history to save us. And the rescue mission is on. And this is our vision. To carry on The rescue mission. We have been rescued. We have been rescued for a purpose. If you've not been rescued yet. And you're here this morning. And you've never confessed Jesus as your saviour and lord. Do it today. Ask Jesus to be lord of your life today. Why wait? He has come to save you. He died on the cross for you. Commit your life to him today. And as God was king in the Old Testament. But hidden. Jesus comes as king Revealed the image of the invisible God. Jesus reveals God. We we cannot know who God is like and what he is like without the revelation of Jesus Christ. The image of the invisible God. The exact representation of his being, the Bible says. And as Jesus comes preaching, men and women are confronted by the kingdom of God in its nearness... And we live in that tension. The kingdom of God is near, it is drawn near, it has begun, but is not fully revealed because until he comes again. But it comes in the lives of men and women. And Jesus here, right at the beginning, calls for a radical decision, a radical response. No half hearted, no sort of wishy washy followers of Christ. Jesus is God's appeal. He comes himself. Repent and believe the good news. And then he encounters individuals with this, come follow me. Come follow me. And in every life, I don't know whether that moment came as, a, as an instant moment in your life or whether it's just a gradual moment. There must have come a moment of decision when you decided that I am going to follow Christ. I am going to live for him. I've met people who live an undecided life. And they kind of, oh, I'm not so sure yet. But an undecided life, as John Oxenham says, is a wasted life, is a, is a discontented life, is a tragic life, and actually is a deceived life. Because it's time to make a decision. Jesus calls us to make a decision, calls for a response, to believe, to repent. Now, if I was to walk down the high street today and just start shouting, you know, repent and believe the good news, it, I might not get a great response. Jesse's agreeing with me. I might, I might not, you know, people might not even understand what I'm talking about. You know, and I'm so full of jargon. You know, I've been following Jesus so long, I just, repent who knows what that means i think it's seen in such a very negative way but repentance isn't supposed to be like repentance means a change of direction change of mind change of heart if we're asking people will you change your mind about jesus this sounds much better than repent doesn't it it's only because i emphasized it probably but it doesn't sound better if it's soft. Repent. Change your mind about Jesus. That's what we're asking people to Change your mind about Jesus. What you have thought about him. And then change direction. It involves a turning away and a turning to. Of course it does. And however we come to faith. I mean, I came to faith not under a severe conviction of sin in my life. I didn't even think I was a sinner. Because I thought I knew what... People who sinned were, and I wasn't one of them. I hadn't read the Ten Commandments, probably, very well. Like the first one. I came to Christ under conviction of his love. I was completely broken by the fact that Jesus Christ, if he is who he says he is, would die on a cross for me. It just blew me away. And then as I invited into my life... The Lord of glory, he suddenly showed me why I needed to repent. (laughs) And all the stuff in my life that he took away. So however we come under a conviction of sin, conviction of God's love, a call to obedience, just a sense, this is true. I've met people who just, they came to me because it is true. It's just got the truth about it. They all involve A turning. We're turning from our own way to God's way. That's repentance. We're calling people to change their mind about Jesus. Jesus called them to change their mind, change their direction. And as we walk on with him, obviously we want to turn away from those things that would drag us down. And then we're calling people to believe. And some for some people it's the hardest thing to believe. You know, uh, I enter discussions that I wish I had your faith. And as if we've kind of suddenly mustered up this amazing thing that we call faith. And we're just trusting Christ. That's what faith is. We're believing Jesus. We're taking him at his word. Who else would you believe? I mean, we need to call on this. You know, people do struggle having faith. But who are they trusting in then? You know let's let's challenge. I always feel I'm the one being challenged. Well prove to me that God exists. Prove to me that Jesus is real. Prove to me. Well what have you got to offer? What's on offer then? What's better? There's nothing. Why should I not believe in Jesus? Give me a good reason why I shouldn't. We believe and take Jesus at his word. We believe God is God in Christ revealed, the hope of this world. We believe that God loved us so much that he made that ultimate sacrifice for us. And as we believe it, we know it. As we believe it, we see it more clearly. Because believing is seeing. Not seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. Who are we trusting in? Jesus said, trust God. Trust also in me. Follow me. Become my disciple. And that's what we've been thinking about over these past weeks and months. Being disciples Of Jesus Christ because belief and repentance involves commitment. Commitment. And that's another thing that, ooh, I believe in Jesus, but I'm just not committed to it. Well, what's all that about? You can't believe in Jesus and not be committed to it, it's life and death and more. Yes, he demands a response and commitment. Not just an assent, not just a nod of the head. But he calls us to build his kingdom with him. We're here to build his kingdom with him. That's why we exist as a church. It's why we've been here for three years. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And he is building. For Simon, Andrew, James and John... In this first chapter of Mark's Gospel, it did mean leaving everything to follow. I think some people have a fear that if you're going to commit to Jesus, that means He's going to do that with you. He's got some cunning plan to ruin your life. I used to think that God got really got really hold of your life. He'd ask you to do something horrendous, (laughs) might be a missionary or a Baptist minister. You know, it's, it's really that you didn't want to do. The funny thing is, when God gets hold of your life and you give him everything, whatever he asks you, you think, wow, as long as you're with me. <laughs> I ain't going unless you're coming too. But others, you read through the Gospels, and they say, I'm coming with you, Jesus. I'm getting my stuff. Just get my stuff. I'm coming with you. No, stay where you are. Stay where you are. Your friends and your families need to know the truth, need to know the good news. For some, some of us that today, he might be calling you to the other side of the world and we rejoice with that. Others, he's just saying, stay where you are. It's where I want you. It's where I've placed you, that you might be there for me. Mission on the doorstep. We are called into the family business. He called Simon and Andrew and James and John fishers of men. That was the new family business, fishers of men. To walk with Jesus, to witness to the nearness of the kingdom. And whenever the gospel is preached, whether it's in word or deed, whether it's in workplace or home or or in a school hall, wherever the Gospel is preached, the kingdom is at hand, it's near. It's amazing that anyone can come into the kingdom just in a moment. So we're the ones giving the invitation. I think we need to get a bit more radical about this. Let's drop the repent, you know, the words that no one understands, but change your mind about Jesus. He loves you. He wants to forgive your sins and give you life that will never end. See, it's a big moments in life. I mean, Edward has been so desperate for his father, who all through the years has said no, no to Jesus, no. But even now, we are just trusting that God might reach in. Because this is so important. A lost eternity. That's the heartbreak, isn't it? Of those we know and love who choose not to. To follow Jesus. But all we can do is say, will you please consider Jesus? And for some, the kingdom of God comes in that moment as they receive Christ and begin that amazing, wonderful journey of faith. Now, to follow Jesus is both free and costly. We, we don't want to... Uh, Pretend that if you follow Jesus, everything will be fine. Everything will be brilliant. Because most of you know, when you started following Jesus, life got a little bit tougher. Because the enemy just wanted to test you out on that. But Jesus is with you. And he is greater than anything in the world or of the enemy. And we live the Christ life out in the world Where God's grace seems neither applauded nor welcomed. But for those who are being saved, it is the best news ever. The best news ever. So this is our vision. And we're going to be spending some time just looking at the kingdom of God and what that means. But our vision is the vision of Christ. The mission of Jesus who came proclaiming good news, making disciples, building his kingdom. So we proclaim Jesus Christ to people today, make disciples, build God's kingdom. And yes, we're praying for revival because we desperately need it. We are praying for a move of God's spirit, the like of which we have never seen. And we will not stop. Please come to our monthly hungry meetings. Please come. Just wherever you are, just keep praying. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We want to see God move. In this area, in this land. And he calls us just to join with him in that way. Just that story of that little boy helping his dad. The kingdom is coming. Let's be part of it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.